from Car Rigs and Ingram, this is It Figures, the CRI podcast, an accounting, advisory, and industry-focused podcast for business and organization leaders, entrepreneurs, and anyone who is looking to go beyond the status quo. All right. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jimmy Woodall. I am the Assurance Service Line Leader here at uh, Car Riggs and Ingram. Um, I've got a background as a CPA and have done a, a lot of internal audit in my career. Uh, and with that, we're going to talk about fraud this morning. We're going to talk about what you should do when you suspect fraud in an organization, what your organization should do. Uh, joining me this morning, uh, and the main, the main star here, uh, is uh, Ignacio Garza, out of our, uh, more affectionately known as Nacho, <laughs> out of our uh, Rio Grande Valley practice. Uh, Nacho is a partner with us and, and does a lot of our uh, forensic accounting. Nacho, tell me a little about yourself. Um, I've been practicing as a CPA for 47 years now. Lately, in the last 28 years or so, I've done a lot of litigation support. And so I've seen fraud and the consequences of fraud not only as a fraud examiner, but the litigation that can come from Absolutely. as a result of different types of fraud. So this is something I'm familiar with, I've seen, and I think it's something we need to make people aware of and how they handle it when they see this in their organization. Absolutely. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but there's there's definitely some implications of some things that, you know, when you get to the fraud that, that management and business owners have got to think past the actual identifying and, and finding out that the fraud is there. So great point. We'll bring that up. So again, like you mentioned, it's very important that we're doing this, uh, but, you know, but I'll bring up a stat here. The uh, Association of Certified Fraud Examiners does a report every two years. And I was looking at the 2018 report, their uh, report to the nations on uh, occupational fraud and abuse uh, and that goes out across to all the world <laughs> and they in that they looked at 2600 fraud cases in, in 2018 and, and there's some some just some staggering statistics in there related to fraud I, I'll, I'll just drop a couple here uh, the first one says that typical uh, a business will lose about five percent of its annual income due to fraud um, when you start looking at the median losses in these cases you had about $100,000 median losses that they looked at in their study. Uh, larger businesses tend to lose less than smaller businesses. We'll talk a little bit about that. I mean, and, um, and in the U.S., I guess it was about 108000 what it looks like. So uh, comments on any of that? Jimmy, over the years, I've seen clients lose several hundreds of thousands of dollars to fraud. And beyond just the financial losses, there's also a loss of reputation, not to mention the loss of time that comes with dealing with the fraud. So there's a lot of issues that go into it, the losses and, and the need to address that whole issue of fraud is a real issue when it comes to business. Yeah, not just, not just monetary, but opportunity losses there. Yeah, okay. Well, what do you, I mean, I guess, why are people committing these frauds? Why are, why are they doing this? There's the old fraud triangle. Generally, somebody has a need living beyond their means. They have a family member that's in trouble. They need more money. And then they begin to rationalize it. They say, well, I'm not getting paid enough. The company won't miss it. I, I, I can get this money. And then ultimately they decide they have the opportunity to follow through and commit a fraud. And, and so there's all kinds of reasons that people commit fraud. Yeah, you should keep your mind open and, and thinking about, you know, 
this this wouldn't necessarily happen to me. Let, let's jump back to one of those statistics that that I mentioned earlier is that smaller companies. That this report from um, from the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners says that employees with a hundred or fewer employees it goes to two hundred thousand. That's that's the median loss they had compared to those with over a hundred thousand employees was one hundred and four. Where where's that discrepancy? And what would you tell a company who thinks that hey we're too small to have to worry about this? This is something that that larger companies deal with. I think clearly what happens is the smaller companies may not have in place the necessary controls and procedures that prevent fraud. And they become more susceptible to fraud because fewer people have more access to the records, to the money, and can commit that fraud because there's just not the checks and balances in the system. Right. Well, hey, I've got a, a few uh, case studies here that I've kind of encountered over my professional career and wanted to bounce those off of you and get your thoughts and how you might tell uh, a similar business that's encountering a similar situation, how they might approach that. The first one is, um, as part of an internal audit engagement that I was on, we had a manufacturer, an inter international manufacturer distribution company, and they had a Central American operation there. And part of their purchasing agent there was uh, providing or getting kickbacks from a certain vendor. And, you know, so we were getting, the company was getting way overcharged for uh, the products and services that this vendor was providing. And, um, you know, this, this purchasing agent was getting kickbacks. And so there was a, a tip, there was a hotline. We, you know, we went in, we did the investigation, we found that. But we quickly found ourselves as internal audit kind of over our heads in terms of international law and some things the way that the the company wanted to approach that. What would be your thoughts on that? What would you suggest someone uh, in a similar situation do? I think when you suspect fraud or when you think fraud is going on or you've discovered fraud, the prudent thing, I think, is to reach outside and get help from people who deal with this on an ongoing basis. Find those professionals, and it may be a diverse team of individuals, forensic accountants, forensic uh, computer specialists, investigators. You have to reach outside your organization, partly because when you suspect fraud, you don't want to tip off the fraudsters by doing it all internally. You need to reach outside, get a team to help you and then solve the problem. Yeah, that, and that's where we headed. When I, when I did that, I was, I was actually a member of an internal audit team for this company. And so this was, this was prior to my joining uh, Carl Riggs and Ingram, and we were able to get a professional team like yourself uh, to come involved and help us with that. Uh, next one, this was, this was an engagement at CRI where we were looking over some government financial statements and we found, it, and this is not limited to governments, we've seen it in other places, but some employees who were stealing through expense reports. And that might be something that's more common with some of our smaller, uh, smaller business owners and smaller clients is they, they may have people kind of padding expense reports to get money. I, I've seen that. Actually, I became a witness in one of those matters because at the local chamber of commerce, one of the people there was padding their expense reports. And part of his expense report said, You'd had lunch with Nacho Garza on two different occasions. <laughs> They're dragging you into it, so right? <laughs> I get a call and they say, hey, did you have lunch with this individual on these days? I said, no, I didn't. Yeah. So that's, okay. that's seeing it from that. And it sounds trivial. But if you allow any kind of fraud to go unpunished or undealt with, it sets a bad tone for the whole organization. And so we see that a lot. 
Yeah. So, um, well, another similar situation we had one. This was a retailer client, and we we detect this on a financial statement audit going through doing some of the inventory work and looking at turnover and cost gets old. But we had uh, we had employees who were stealing inventory. You know, they're kind of walking out every day with their pockets are a little heavier as they were going out the door. So, similar situations. We've seen that actually in our part of the world. Faquitas is a very common lunch meat or meat that yeah. we eat at night. And one of the people in charge of the commissary at the jail, the food service at the jail, was ordering fajitas. The only trouble is they never <laughs> served fajitas at the jail. He was taking those out the back door and selling them. And it sounds small, but he, over the years he sold about a million dollars worth of fajitas. Worth of fajitas that weren't there, right? <laughs> that, were, that were paid for by the county and he sold outside. So. Yeah. That's a real common issue. Controlling your inventory is critical to any business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last example I'll, I'll, I'll give you here. This kind of flips over to the other type of fraud, and uh, which is the financial statement fraud. And, and, and I will say that we've seen situations at CRI that where the misappropriation of assets, the stealing, the other things leads to this sometimes because they're, they're trying to cover up what they've done. So you kind of get a double whammy there. This one was a situation where we had management, uh, and this is going to get to a little different level because it's going to rise up a little bit. We had some senior management and accounting folks who were managing income through estimates and accruals. And so they were like, you know, reserve, 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 reserve on these very subjective estimates because, you know, we're having a good year. And then, you know, the bad year comes along. Oh, we're just going to reverse that accrual that sends all that money through income. We still make our bonus. We still, you know, we, we still don't have to worry about the stock price. We still have those things that, that are occurring. So some somewhat financial manipulation and financial statement fraud there. Well, generally, the more senior the people in the organization that are involved in the fraud, the more serious the fraud becomes or is. In that case, perhaps the, the organization didn't lose money because of that fraud, but clearly their reputation with lenders, with investors has been negatively impacted. And it's still something that has to be dealt with by the overall organization, whether it be the board of directors or even more senior management or the shareholders have to address that. And once again, that's where you reach out to competent professionals to help you deal with that issue. What would you do in that situation if you've got a, a junior staff person, somebody who, who's in the accounting department and they're looking at this and they're saying, you know, I don't think this is right, but this is my boss doing this. What would you what would you suggest that person do? They need to follow the whoever the and it's hard because the internal chain of command. They have to find somebody they can trust to go to and tell. I believe this is happening. Whether that's the external auditors, the external accountants, come to somebody and let them know what you think, uh, because you have to report it. If you don't, and I've seen this too many times, where people the controls are in place and people know that somebody's doing something outside of the control structure and they don't report it. So the fraud goes on yeah, they're and almost on complacent. and on yeah. and they become complicit in that yep. fraud. So you have to report it. Yeah. What would you say that, again, we, you touched on this a second ago, but the, the extent that you take some of these things, like I said, I, I've seen situations in, in the, that we've just talked about where, you know, you've got a simple termination, management says you're fired, you know, you're gone, whatever. Sometimes you've got a board settling with, with high-end management and saying, you know, we're going we're gonna to settle this claim, you, you know, move on, we're just, just walk, go your way because we've got contracts. Sometimes there's legal action. 
what are the criteria that I guess uh, business owners, small business owners in particular, should could kind of consider and go through when they're saying, okay, how far do I take this? What what should my situation be? I think they need to decide in terms of on a case by case basis. My view is you need to make sure that the fraud is punished. You cannot fail to take action because if you do, everybody else in the organization notices you didn't take that fraud in their mind seriously. So they think, well, I can do it too. But you have to take it. And, when, and that's part of the issue in bringing together that diverse team of professionals. You need to have some attorneys to consult with because you may, if you fire the person and say, hey, I think you did this, I'm firing you, you're opening yourself up for a wrongful termination lawsuit. And there may be civil lawsuits and criminal lawsuits coming out of any fraud, a civil trying to get the money back or recover the assets that have been taken, or dealing with a bank or an investor who says your fraudulent financial statements induced me to invest and lend money, or a civil lawsuit with an insurance company trying to enforce insurance coverage that would cover that loss. So there's a lot of potential litigation that could come from any fraud. So you need to go ahead and hire not only the outside accountants and forensic experts, but consult with outside attorneys. Yeah, let's let's switch gears. So we you, you've got a fraud, you found a fraud, you've gone through maybe all these these steps. Some of or all of these steps that you just talked about. Let's talk about preventing this thing from going on or being able to detect. And so let's talk about some of the controls and things that we would, we would put in place. Uh, certainly, I would recommend my background is internal audit, uh, and I would recommend internal audit. CRI provides internal audit services, and I, I think those are, are key mm-hmm. to helping you build and, and start strong controls. Anything that you would recommend specifically on there that you've seen that, to kind of help prevent? I think the first thing, and this is easier said than done. Sure. When somebody suspects fraud, the first thing I tell them is be calm, be patient, don't overreact. And that's hard to do because when you see what happens, there's a a surprise element of surprise. There's an element of shock. There's the trust. I mean, it could could be someone you trust. Violation of trust. There's anger because somebody you've trusted has now done something bad to you. So it's hard not to overreact. But the way you handle the first few days of a suspected fraud can have real long-term implications to how the investigation ultimately goes. If you overreact, you're tipping off the fraudsters, they can destroy evidence, they can move on, they can hide things. So you need to stay calm and not overreact, don't panic. But then ultimately, not only do you want to investigate the fraud, but you want to determine how do I prevent this from happening again? What controls failed? What controls do we need? And who can I turn to? And normally we think that's a, your outside trusted advisor. Absolutely. Which are the accountants and attorneys. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, you want to look at what, what you think, you know, analyze, get those folks, get those professionals and help you determine what caused the fraud and then what you can do to prevent that. Um, yeah. G- great thoughts on on all of that. So. Uh, I hope today you've seen this. We're going to wrap this up, but I hope you see the you have seen the importance of the fraud, the things we're talking about today. CRI has got a lot of great uh, services that we can provide uh, in terms of internal audit services. Nacho leads up a great group on the uh, the, the forensics team and the litigation support and helping some of those things. Nacho, any final thoughts on your side? Fraud's going to happen. The chances are that you will see something in your organization, and over the years we've seen it in private businesses in 
charitable organizations, religious organizations, governmental entities. It doesn't happen often, but when it happens to you, it's a real <laughs> hurt, Absolutely. not only emotionally, yeah. but to the institution or the company you're working with. So be prepared, make sure you try to prevent it. And if you suspect it, deal with it logically. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, thanks again to everybody for joining us today. We encourage you to go out to CRICPA.com. Uh, check us out. Give us a call. Uh, if, you, you know, if you're looking for a service provider, if you're looking for uh, somebody to help you with some of these situations in terms of helping establish controls and preventing fraud, uh, or if you've got a suspected fraud situation yourself. Uh, I'm Jimmy Woodall. This is Nacho Garza. We appreciate your time today. Thanks. If you want more CRI insights or are interested in learning about our firm, please visit our website at CRICPA.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of It Figures, the CRI podcast. You can subscribe to It Figures on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review.